0: Welcome uh, to another episode of A Pastor and His People. Uh, I am Pastor Dave Keene, here with Pastor Dave Keene. Uh, I am heading out of town uh, today for uh, uh, for an event uh, with the Pillar Network to talk about uh, residencies with pastors throughout the country. Uh, So uh, Pastor Witt and I were not able to get together and and talk about the podcast, Um, but I figured I'd just spend a few minutes talking a little bit about the book of Acts, especially Acts, Acts 10 and 11. Um, and then just talk about a little bit what's going on in terms of our preaching calendar uh, at the church. Uh, for the last several weeks, Pastor Grant had stepped in and talked on, uh, from Colossians 4 on prayer and evangelism. One of the things you see throughout the book of Acts is that the church is constantly praying and constantly sharing uh, the gospel. So it's a wonderful picture of um, the importance of prayer in the advance of the mission. Now, we see that kind of sprinkled in in narrative form all throughout the book of Acts. And of course, Colossians is written to one of the churches planted in Acts, um, and you see prayer and evangelism kind of right at the center. And I've talked to numerous pastors of late and just asking them what they're preaching, uh, and a lot of them are are preaching through the book of Acts. Um, Now, I'm preaching through the book of Acts now after 10 years, uh, but I think there's been a groundswell among the church um, to plant and revitalize and more churches and to reach the lost, so those are really really uh, good things and a good movement in the church. well, as I've been thinking about the book of Acts, of course, Acts begins uh, Luke writes his second installment to Theophilus, and he says, in my first book, I wrote of all that Jesus began to do and teach uh, so Jesus uh, began to teach uh, um, the church uh through the his his earthly ministry, then after his resurrection now that he has risen. Uh, from the dead and, and, and ascended into heaven, he's continuing to work by the power of his spirit through the church. And we see that really at the end of Acts 9 in the ministry of Peter, Peter is um, really modeling the life of the Lord Jesus. Very similar things happen in Peter's life as it did with the Lord Jesus. And then we see something kind of a, a break, a change. Uh, in many ways, it's, it's continuing on to what you saw Jesus's heart was in the Gospels and how the Gospel was advancing to them. Even in the book of Mark, uh, the great um, uh, announcement or confession in the book of Mark is not done by a Jewish person, but done by the, the Gentile centurion. As you just kind of read through the, the New Testament, God had really been gracious to the centurions in general. Uh, we know that they were men of a leadership potential, prudent, wise, a diligent, understanding, of course, rules and authority in that structure. But God has been very gracious to just use specific centurions kind of throughout uh, his ministry and then obviously his ministry beyond uh, to impact uh, the gospel. Well, Acts uh, 10 uh, begins with uh, two visions, the visions of Cornelius and then uh, of Peter. Um, And it's just interesting how God is is calling this devout um, Cornelius. One thing I was trying to draw out in the sermon, I couldn't really verify this. There's been some, some debates among scholars when it comes to um, the alms that um, uh, Cornelius was offering, was he offering these at the temple, right? And outside the temple, not able to get in, that's that's a likely thing, but he was known for his whole entire life to pray and to uh, to give generously to the poor. So we don't know that for certain, but I think that the idea that you are a God-fearing um, uh, Gentile, meaning that you want to worship the Lord, but because of not following through the full law, especially circumcision, that you can't fully enter into the gates of the temple, into the presence of the Lord. I think that's significant um, for the, the Gentile people. We saw that really significant in from the Ethiopian eunuch. It seems like he was returning from Jerusalem when he met uh, Philip on the road. He could not enter into the temple because he was deemed unclean. Um, but even right there at the end, you know, uh, this is Ben Witherton the third, kind of referencing somebody else. This idea that. Um, you know, Peter had no problem being with an unclean Jew, Simon the Tanner, who was interacting with animal carcasses, but he balked at unclean Gentiles, right? Now, it's hard for us to even fathom or, or process this. You know, we are all products of our environment. So when we read the New Testament, it's important to to understand that when you read the New Testament, you're also reading the stories of real people um, with limited experiences. Um, you, know, you know, just imagine someone even in, in you know, someone from the 1930s, and then them coming to uh, our time and thinking about plane travel and how fast they can travel across the nation. You've probably heard me mention it a, a lot, but I'm reading to uh, a book called "To the Golden Shore." Uh, it's a missionary biography by uh, Courtney Anderson of Adoniram and Judson. Fantastic book, and it's just amazing how much travel was done on the sea. And how long travel was, you know, travel took a long time. So you can imagine how, you know, we um, in our day can fly to California and back in one day. That's just outstanding. Uh, and I think this is the same kind of idea in principle form of how the early church would have understand bringing the Gentiles in to the body of believers. It would have been like that. Unbelievable. Possible, right? But in human terms, because of their experience it would have been very hard to process. So obviously, we see this the, the Cornelius, and then then we see uh, Peter. And again, we see Peter not obeying the Lord at first, um, you know. Uh, but we do see him quickly obey afterward. You know, he went without hesitation. He had no objection as he kind of shared the story uh, later on. Um, so I, I think that you know Peter understood very clearly, probably more quickly than. That even he would have realized. This is just a gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember when Peter first confessed Christ in Matthew 16, uh, he said, "You know, blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah, for this was revealed to you not by my, uh, not by um, the will of man, but by my, my, my Father in heaven." So the only way that you can understand these things was by the grace of God. And even now, as Peter has been converted and he is a follower of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, even now the Spirit is still revealing things to him. I think the same is for us. We don't always have all the knowledge, all the information. But by God and His grace, continues to reveal things to us in in time. So as we as we continue to kind of walk through this text, one of the things you see with Peter is this idea of hospitality. You know, and I was I shared this in our in our new members lunch, but you know, this is not a direct. Uh, I think it, it, the idea that Peter welcomed these men uh, into the house as guests is a very big deal, right? It's a sign of acceptance, a sign of hospitality. Really, an idea of violating the. The, the the Jewish law of not associating with or welcoming Gentiles, and of course this is exactly what the Lord Jesus did in His life. He welcomed people um, into His 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 life; uh, those who were who were Gentiles. Um, he went into people's houses that were looked at as um, unclean. You know, Jesus was often uh, characterized as being around those of um, an unsort right; those people who were not. Um, uh, deemed clean by Jewish standards. But one thing I just want I would love to say, as I was saying, I told our new members class, is that hospitality is a really, really big deal. Um, and I think that we need to kind of continue to foster more and more hospitality. I'm not sure exactly um, how to do this kind of on a large scale. I know that some of our members are absolutely outstanding inviting people into their home. We know that sometimes schedules are busy and we can't do it. But I think as all, of, all of us are taking one step forward to you know, improve or enhance our own hospitality, I think the life of the church will, will feel more and more, um, familiar, more like a family. That's why I'm trying to use that word in that, in that way. Um, but I've been so encouraged of late, even hearing stories of people opening up their home, you know, um, uh, just really encouraged that I I hear that on a regular basis. I'll just be talking to the members. Oh, I had so-and-so over for, for lunch and got a chance to know them. And, you know, the, 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 the the fellowship of the saints is is the lifeblood, right? Um, we have to know each other. That depth of relationship is going to be the strength of our congregation. I think this is really important because as the, as the story goes on and God is bringing in these Gentiles, right? And re- remember those verses in, in Acts 11, you know, Acts um, 10, 43, and 46 that kind of really show how the story or the situation that happened with the Gentiles was very similar to what happened to them in Acts uh, two, to the Jews, and then as they shared it in Jerusalem, um, what, you, what you see is you see this, um, that happened just as it was with us. So we see that in, in verse uh, 47, just as we have. We see that in verse chapter 11, verse 15, verse 17, verse 18. There's these ideas that what happened to the Gentiles was the same thing that happened to the Jews. It was identical, right? In the sense that salvation came the same way. There was no partiality. Right, of course, that's the whole idea. Peter's like, now I know there's no partiality. And then you see how that's played out through the whole book of Acts. I mean, you read in Romans, right, The, the one of the great, great uh, treatises of the Apostle Paul, he begins in, you know, I am not ashamed of the gospel, right, for... Um, the gospel is the power of God for all who believe, for the Jew and the Gentile, for God shows no partiality, right? There's this idea that even he begins this long treatise on the gospel, unpacking that there is no partiality in God. He says the same thing in Romans chapter 3, there is no distinction. Jew and Gentile, all have fallen short of of the glory of God and have been saved, right? Um, You know, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And he continues to carry that on all the way to uh, 10 and uh, 9 through 11 and how the Gentiles were grafted in um, by his grace. And then you see this implications uh, of chapter 12 through 16. The implications are is that because of we have this great salvation, right, in view of God's mercy, the view of God's mercy in saving Gentiles and Jews together in Christ, therefore we are called to live in unity with one another. You see the same thing I saw in Ephesians, right? So Ephesians chapter 2, you see that Jesus Christ broke down the wall of hostility uh, and then this mystery, the mystery hidden for ages that the Gentiles will be grafted in. And we see that right there in chapter three. And chapter four, what do you have? Is you have this picture of the church being united, growing up into mature manhood as one man, um, you know, with the gifts of, of the saints. And then you see this, this this great picture of what the church is called to do um, in terms of how they're called to live. Those, those who used to steal no longer steal, but they they work and give to others. It seems like everything in the rest of Ephesians, is is rooted and grounded on the basis of salvation, but not just salvation individually, right? which I think is really important. A lot of times as Christians in the West, we read um, the second half of, of Paul's letters, especially when you could get into the therefores. So a lot of Paul's letters, there's indicatives, there's facts, there's teaching on the first half. And the second half is all on um, force This is how you now live. This is this is true in the first half. This is therefore how you live, and I think most of the time we hear this individually. How do I respond to this individually? But I think we need to broaden that and realize that it's, Paul is talking to the church. It's corporate. So especially if you look at Ephesians, because Paul makes that place that that, that statement explicitly in Ephesians two, and then moving on to Ephesians chapter three, in Ephesians chapter three has that great verse in verse nine that says that this was so that we would display the manifold wisdom of God, right? To those uh, really heavenly authorities, but we can maybe make the application that that's to all people outside of the church, where we're called to display the manifold wisdom of God in our community together for the eternal purposes of God have been realized, have been realized how? In the inclusion of the Gentiles in Acts 10 and 11. God is moving to bring salvation to the ends of the earth through the preaching of the gospel and the forgiveness of sins wrought by the Holy Spirit. All this is absolutely amazing, right? And then the the implications of how you should live as a church being unified and using your gifts and and, and, um, living in your homes and with your children, all of those are grounded in this great salvation. But again, this great salvation is not just the gospel in essence individually, but what the gospel does for all who come to Christ, both Jew and Gentile again there, there's much I could say on this but I just I was absolutely floored the more and more I studied it the more and more I see how much this idea is flowed throughout the New Testament a lot of the issues that you find uh, the heresies the challenges in the New Testament a lot of them were the Judaizers who want to take those who are Gentiles and make them follow the Jewish law they're trying to add to the gospel that they're not saved by grace alone through faith they're saved by grace alone through faith and and obeying the Jewish law right? Uh, We see that very similar today. We see Judaizers in a way, right? Saying, yes, you have to follow God. Yes, you have to follow the gospel. Yes, you have to do these certain things. uh, You have to repent and believe. But you also have to dress a certain way. You also have to do this. You also have to do that. Well, that's adding to the gospel, and, and then we become like the Judaizers. So when you really study and understand, all this to say, understand Acts 10 and 11, you really understand the great glory of the New Testament and the great glory of the early church, and the great challenges that the early church will have to, to, to understand. Uh, I think the rest of a lot of the New Testament is understanding that God has brought two to become one. And even as we go through the book of Acts, we'll get all the way to Acts 15 when they have to have a council on this very thing. What does this mean? And we'll get to there in detail, but they kind of give some charges to the church and really those charges seem like they're adding things to more uh, qualifications and things that the church must do, but it's really just about table fellowship. How can we foster the the Jew and the Gentile to be together at one table? Um, so anyway, uh, wonderful things to continue to think through, uh, beloved. I, I'm encouraged by your response uh, to the book of Acts. As always, you are an attentive, eager church to love, to hear, and to and, um, uh, rejoice in the Word of God. Uh, again, continue to pray that the door of the gospel would be open for us. I would ask you personally to pray for me as I go down and uh, minister to about 50 pastors and uh, helping them uh, develop residencies in their local church like we've done in ours to raise up godly men to send them out for the for the namesake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, because this gospel, as we have continued to study, is so glorious. Uh, more and more churches need to herald it uh, faithfully. So. Beloved, we pray you have a glorious day, and let me pray for you now. Father, we thank you so much for the Book of Acts and all that you're doing in and through it to teach us and to refine us. We do pray, God, that we would understand how glorious your salvation is, that you are willing to save all people, Lord. And we pray, God, in because that we have seen this gospel, because we have seen how you unite all people in one. Body in Christ. God, we pray that that would be the foundation of our unity and the foundation of our holiness and striving to care well for one another. Father, we pray that as we live as a body at Park Baptist Church, we pray, Lord God, that you and your kindness would, would help us to display the manifold wisdom of God to the watching world, uh, that many would say, wow, this changes everything, that their lives would be transformed uh, for, the, for the purposes of your grace. So, Father, we ask you to bless your church. In Jesus' name, amen.